0: as the Lord has been speaking with us and meeting with us already this evening, I felt a quickening in the spirit, a little bit of a warning, (laughs) and I want to ask you a question in accordance with what I felt. If you knew that this was your last meeting, your last opportunity to be in the presence of this people and to feel what we're feeling here tonight in this specific way, in this specific setting, how would that change how you listened and how you responded? In other words, are we deluding ourselves and putting off decisions and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the response of faith in this notion that all things will continue as they have from the beginning? That life is always going to carry on just like it has week after week, month after month, year after year. Are there things that God has already spoken? Actions that he has already prompted. Changes that he has already demanded. That we have not said no to. But we have not fully obeyed and engaged to do and complete. What are we waiting for? The devil knows he can't get you to say no to God because God is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. He doesn't want you to say no to God. He wants you to say tomorrow to God. He wants you to say wait to God. He wants you to say yes, but to God. He wants you to say, please, sir, understand that I've got other things going on. That's what he wants you to say, and you will go against his plan. You will disobey disobey the enemy's plan for your life if you can say, today if I hear his voice, I'm not hardening my heart, I'm making a change. I was talking with a brother yesterday, and I, I was having a similar feeling Throughout my day yesterday and even today, I would find myself in one situation after another where a meeting one-on-one with an individual or with a small group, and our expectations may have been down here or just completely absent. But time after time after time, we'd get together, somebody would start to say something, and the Holy Ghost would fall and the anointing would start speaking and the clarity and the revelation of God's grace would be manifest. And we were, we were in awe of it all the way up until about 11 o'clock last night or maybe even later. I don't remember how, how late it was. We weren't watching the clock. The Lord is with his people. The Lord is speaking to his people. He is present to answer questions. He is present to answer needs, to meet needs, amen? In one of those settings, I was having a conversation with another brother and we were talking about the chronic battle that seems to be portrayed in the Old Testament and then reiterated in the New Testament. The battle that says, or the the challenge from God that says, Can you endure to see the fulfillment of all that God has promised? Or are you going to burn out in the process? I remember driving down Golson Road a couple years ago. And I don't recall offhand what the crisis was. But we were going through some small crisis. And I told my wife, I said... You know, I know God is not only going to fulfill his promises, he's going to exceed them. He's going to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine. I just hope that the team hasn't burned out and isn't threadbare and scattered in the day he fulfills his promises to them. And I went on to say something along the lines of, I don't care who's burned out, I'm going to still be there. And I'm going to pull together with whoever is there, and we're going to, fulfill, we're going to realize those promises. Someone once mocked when they left the church. They mocked and they said, Oh, they're always saying that something great is going to happen. It's about to happen, but it's never happened. It's never going to happen. If I may, Brother Howard has a knack of telling us these incredible reports on a regular basis. And I mean, phenomenal things happening in countries all over the world, miracles unfolding on a daily basis sometimes. And he often will put a little parenthetical at the end of the report that says, Isn't it amazing how nothing's happening? But that's the same thing we've talked about before where they, they were asking for a sign and he said to them, no sign will be given. The greatest sign performer in the history of mankind is right in front of them. The one who heals lepers and raises the dead and gives sight to the blind and they're asking for a sign. Could you please open your eyes? It's all around you. It's happening. And now we're living in a day when so much of what we once dreamed of is already at work. It's already happening. Not just in the spirit, but it's being manifest all the time. There is a team of of people who were sitting in these seats a couple weeks ago who are down in South Africa, and God is building his church there. Strangers coming up to them and saying, we see your young people at the fairs, at the farmer's market, Can we please come to some of your meetings? And then saying, we want to commit to come to everything we're invited to. We see something here we've never seen elsewhere. God is building his church. There's a team over in New Zealand right now. There's a team over in Israel right now. God is building his church. There's a fair going on in Idaho right now. There's a community and home birth and little miracles and big miracles happening in Montana right now. In Virginia, they're getting breakthroughs. In Mexico, they're looking for new land. All the naysayers, I don't know what happened to them, but those who stuck around and waited on the Lord, he never has let us down. Just give him a chance. Just, Just hang on until all of your dross has a chance to burn off the top and see if there's some enduring faith left beneath the boiling that is gonna be there to inherit exceedingly great and precious promises. He told us, hold on to your confidence for it has great reward. You have need of endurance. So after you have done the will of God, you may receive what he has promised. You're not gonna feel the fulfillment of God's promise until you have done his will. You're not a bunch of kids gathered around a Christmas tree waiting for Santa Claus to show up. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a work for you to accomplish. God had written in a book works, exploits, plans, and purposes for your life before you were ever born. That's what Ephesians 2 tells us. It says that God has prepared works For us to accomplish and he prepared them before the foundation of the world. Now just think, if we sit around the Christmas tree all our life waiting, like Brother Warren said, imagining that it's all about us, that the world revolves around us, then we're never going to do God's will and we're never going to inherit those promises. But you have need of endurance so that after you have done God's will, you will receive what was promised. The blessed promises come on the heels of accomplishing His will. Many of us become weary in well doing and we lose heart because God doesn't do things our way. He does things slower, He does things differently. He just doesn't do it our way. Even when it seems He's silent, He is working, even when it seems He's inactive. His hand is dancing, his manifestation, like a dancing hand, is at work all around, and we don't even know it. But we can lose heart. I told somebody this week the problem is you're inclined to think that your fulfillment is going to come from starting. But that's not what Jesus said. What did he say when he talked about how he was? Nourished in his spiritual man. Jesus needed nourishment just like we do. It's why his cardinal prayer begins with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But the building of his kingdom is, de- is a depleting process. It's an exhausting process. It's a sacrifice. So the next part of the prayer is, Give us this day what we need to do your will. Give us this day our daily bread. But Jesus told us what his daily bread was. What was it in John 4, 34, what did he say? No, it's not all he said. What else did he say? He said, my food is to do and to finish. Look around at the miracles that have been accomplished by the first generation of this church. They weren't just starters. They were finishers. They weren't just people who could get all riled up and this is so exciting and I'm activated and ready to go and do and and launch only to fall short. They were people who felt like they weren't fully nourished and hadn't received the promise until they had done and finished. Until they had done the will of God and finished his work. What works? What works? are we engaged in right now that we want ultimate fulfillment from but which God is saying you're not going to get the ultimate fulfillment until you have finished on some level brought to completion the things that I have given you to do. Here he is in John 5, the next chapter, but the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John for the works which the Father has given for me to finish, they The very works that I do testify about me. God didn't give Jesus works to start. He gave him works to bring to completion. Yes, the ultimate work won't be finished until he returns. But there's things in each day that I can do that bring the kingdom of God one step forward. And there are things in each week and things in each month and things that must be completed by the end of 2019. And we cannot be people who get all excited about starting, but we don't bring it to a place of completion. Thank you, Jesus. It can be the same thing in our victories and our character. Sister, sister, heard the Lord speak to her in the Wednesday night meeting a week ago. God convicted her heart, gave her faith. But then she had to take that and bring that faith to completion. She had to activate it day in, day out. And she has a victory tonight that she did not have last week. Even though she was blessed last week, now she's got a little bit of fulfillment because she finished, she brought this week to a godly completion. He goes again in John 17. He says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you had given me to do not having started it, having accomplished it. 19, John 19, 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill this, the scripture, said, I am thirsty. And then again, the next two verses later, it says, therefore, when Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The ultimate completion is the last full measure of our strength, of our heart, of our mind, our gifts, our ambitions, our youth, and finally, our life itself. The ultimate fulfillment won't come until we've made that last full measure sacrifice and we enter into the fulfillment of heaven itself. But here on this earth, we can live a fulfilled life if we'll bring to completion the things that he has put before us to do. He does not say my food will be. He says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I finish God's work? The disciples said to Jesus in in Luke 17, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be be uprooted and be planted in the seed, and it would obey you. So Jesus really does two things here. He points out that they already have enough to be acting, and they're not. So their problem isn't a need for more faith. Their problem is a need for more acting on what they already have. He said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, so he puts it down to the smallest amount that they want an increase of, and he says, if you just act on what you got... That's his point here. Let me read it to you again. And the Lord said, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. So their problem is that they don't act on what they've got. Which of you, then he goes on to talk about how faith is increased. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come immediately sit down and eat. Now what are we talking about here? Sit down and be nourished. Have this sense of fulfillment in your life. Feel like you accomplished something. Come in and sit down. But, he, but will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say to yourselves, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which was, that which we ought to have done. He goes on and he says, But he will say to the slave, first feed me, and afterwards you may be filled. Now, we know that we can, of course, look at this simply as Jesus. He is the master and we're going to satisfy his plan, his objectives, before we're going to get caught up in our own. But I want to I I see if we can entertain this in a little bit broader sense, if you'll bear with me. Does the Bible teach that men and women of God should find places of service to other men and women of God. We don't believe in masters and slaves, but we do believe in service. We do believe that we are all supposed to find a place where we can serve Jesus Even in the least of these, one of his humans, one of his mere humans walking and living amongst us. What about Timothy? Did he just go launching off and have this incredibly successful ministry? What about Gehazi? What about Elisha? What about Luke? What about Peter, James, and John? You see, he says, if you are not faithful with what is another's, how will you ever be trusted with what is your own? And sometimes you have to be faithful in another's ministry before God gives you your own ministry. It's never your own, but your own constituted place in his body. Jesus said... A student cannot be greater than his master or his teacher. It is enough for him to be like his teacher. The disciples weren't trying to surpass Jesus, they were trying to serve Jesus. And they had learned the lesson that they weren't going to be individually fulfilled until they had accomplished the tasks that were chosen and designated by the one they were serving. And so I want to ask you, have you ever considered that the problem, the reason behind your sense of unfulfillment is that you have skipped a step? That you have never truly said that your sense of fulfillment and satisfaction would first and foremost be in completing the service that God has given you to accomplish for somebody. Not a perfect somebody. Not the ultimate repository of all wisdom, knowledge, love, and perfection, but just a human with a calling, with a purpose. You don't want to get to be 60 years old and saying to somebody, I've never really found my place. I have all these gifts. I have all these aspirations. But I've never really found my place. And I feel like my life is coming to a close. And and I don't know, I feel a little bit unfulfilled. You're going to do that someday if you don't listen. Because there's something precious that you've been walking past. There's something critical that you've been dismissing. God is more interested in our relationships than in anything else. Jesus said, you did not choose me, I chose you. I wanna say in my own life, it is precisely this attitude that has made my life fulfilling. I would be a dead end nothing I would be a spiritual loser and failure if there was not someone in my life who for decades has kept an edge in my heart. Someone toward whom I have a sense of service and loyalty and faith. Someone whose tasks and responsibilities come before my own. You think you're being robbed. You think that when Elijah comes to the region of Zarephath and watches this poor starving widow gathering up some sticks to burn her last fire and cook her last cake so that in her words, my son and I might eat and die. You think when the Lord reaches through the fence of your little concentration camp of impossibility and says, okay, I understand, but go ahead and give me that last cake first. You think he's robbing you. You think he's asking something of you that you can't give. But what he knows is that you can't get fed by God until you have first. Serve the Lord the last full measure and fed his purpose and his, pro- his promise in your life. You're not going to feel fulfilled if you say, Elijah, let's talk later, but we got to eat this now. And then you come chewing on the last fragments of your pitiful little efforts of survival and there's no miracle for you. There's no blessing. There's no provision of God. It's a risk. You say to yourself, if I make this change in my life, it could ramify into my finances. It could affect my future. I don't know if I should do this. Relationship is what it's all about, brothers and sisters. It's what it's all about. And if you would dare to give whatever you've got to God first then you would find a sense of fulfillment when he says, okay, now you may eat. I think that if you could pull back the cover and peer into the real difference between what made this church succeed in so many impossible revolutionary steps, I think this is what you would find. I think you would have found this in the heart of Brother Blair if you could have sat down with him when he was 27, 28, and 29, 30. I think if you had asked him, what's your feeling toward Brother Phillips? Or what's your attitude towards some of these brothers? There are some of those who are sitting here tonight who could tell you what he did say and what he would have said. He knew where he was serving. He knew what came first. And then as God trusted him with what was his own, I think if you could peer into the determinative difference, you would find that there were others who felt the same way toward him, who said, I got a lot of needs. I got a lot of wants. I got a lot of longings. I'm even starving spiritually. But I believe that what comes first is the service God has called me to. And I'm going to put that first and see if he doesn't fill my cup. I've seen it. I've seen it firsthand. I want to tell you something. And I don't do this to make somebody uncomfortable. And I hope I can survive. My composure can survive this. But I want to tell you something. My dad obviously fighting cancer. He's been in a years-long battle with cancer, four different kinds. And in the morning, eight o'clock in the morning or so, he needs help. So he'll send my mom a message and say, can you come help me with such and such? Or just, can you come help me? And if my mom is working in the laundry room of the other part of the house in the kitchen, she can't hear him, so he'll send her a text. Can you come help me? And she'll come in to help him. Well, a couple weeks ago, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and he sends a text, and he thinks it's to my mom, but it's to an elder in his 70s, one of the most respected brothers in the church, and he accidentally sends, can you come help me to this brother? And the immediate response is not, sure, but what, what's it for? What can I do? It's, I'll be right there. And then some time, five minutes elapses, and my mom hasn't come in and he looks at his phone and he realizes that he sent the message to the wrong person so he sends it to my mom and she comes in and he says i just realized that i sent that message to brother so and so and she looks outside and there waiting in the driveway is brother so and so i'm here when you when you need me now We're not talking about a kid. We're not talking about someone who's a babe. We're talking about a mighty gift and man of God that we would all look up to. Something has got to come inside of your heart that identifies your place and says, Jesus, if I'm plowing in the field, if I've just woken up, if I'm two and a half miles away and it's eight o'clock in the morning, if it's night, if it's day, if I'm a thousand miles away in another part of the country, I know my place of service and I'm going to deliver every single time. You know, I I know my dad felt terrible. He felt terrible to disrupt this brother's morning, but I got a hunch, some of you know who I'm talking about, I got a hunch, if you were to talk to that brother, he felt the nourishment of God. He felt the favor of God. He doesn't even think of it as anything. Same brother, my dad's pickup truck 15 years ago, 12 years ago, blows a a transmission in Cody, Wyoming, and the same brother goes and gets a new pickup and gets in the truck and drives through the night to be up there within however many hours and send him back on his way. I don't wanna make anybody uncomfortable except those of us who need a change, who need to be moved out of our complacency. I think this is the difference, folks. I think this is it. There's gotta be a purpose and people who represent that purpose That you're called to serve who evoke in you something that says i didn't choose myself somebody trusted me and i'm not about to let them down i'm not about to let make them regret the investment that they have put inside of me paul said i have no one like timothy elsewhere he said all have forsaken me except luke Brother Nathan pointed out to us that Luke never mentioned himself. Amen. In that time where he was the only one left that hadn't forsaken Paul, he never mentioned himself. Not a sentence about Luke in the the book of Acts. Not a comment. He was there. Yet he's invisible. And yet to Paul, he was the one who never forsook him. You see, if you'll learn to serve God first... You'll be fed, you'll be nourished, you'll be fulfilled. You need to find people who provoke you to that kind of service and say, my food is to do and to finish. You wanna avoid the life of mediocrity? You wanna avoid the path of going nowhere? You gotta ask for the path of service. You gotta ask for a relationship that inspires you to that kind of devotion. And you'll never slip into that mediocrity. I was talking to a brother in another country this morning. And I said, if you're going to succeed, if this individual is going to succeed in their ministry, they're going to have to zoom out and realize the bigger picture and the grace God has poured out on them in choosing them. We are in a momentous time. We are at a fulcrum, a crossroads, in the destiny of the church. If I didn't believe that, I wouldn't be standing here right now. And as of yet, there are not thousands of churches. There may be thousands of people in this, in this movement, but there are not thousands of churches, nor even hundreds, nor even dozens. But God in His providence has identified the right people in the right places to be the first. He has identified people over here in the Northwest, people down in San Antonio, and people over in Virginia, people in South Africa, and in Israel, and now in India, people in New Zealand, people in Mexico, and now soon in Argentina. A team is going down there, amen, open doors all over the place. God is picking the right people, but you better wake up in the morning and say, Oh my God, why did you choose me? What on earth made you pick the likes of me? I am not going to let you down. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to bring glory to my king, and I'm going to show him that you didn't make a bad bet when you put everything on me in this small region of the world or this great region of the world. Thank you, Jesus. And I told this brother, I said, this minister needs to say, God, what did you see in me? And then be humbled that he saw anything and devoted and committed to not make him regret his decision. God doesn't do things our way. He doesn't do things our timetable. Did Joseph get things his way? You want to live a life of fulfilled dreams? Go look at the dreamer. Betrayal, enslavement, betrayal two, imprisonment, 13 years, betrayal three, forget it being forgotten. But you know, you can take all that if you know what you deserve. Anything's better than hell. You can take all that if you know what you deserve. God is testing you. God is trying you. God is putting you through the paces. Don't say I'm too old. God uses very old people sometimes. Come on, Abraham. You're only 100. Let's see. Can you trust me? Come on, Caleb. You're only 80. Get up that mountain. We can get it. Come on, Moses. You've only been wandering for 40 years. I'm going to spark something right back alive when you see this bush burning. And you're going to think you've identified the promise. You're going to set your sights on the the key. You're going to say, I know God's going to accomplish Israel's aspirations through this special kid named Joseph. And just about the time you think it's all going to happen through Joseph, Joseph's going to get taken from you. And you're going to weep and you're going to mourn and you're going to have barely overcome that sorrow and that loss. Oh, God. And then all of a sudden, famine is going to start squeezing you and he's gonna reach out his hand and say, yeah, I realize you're putting your trust in the second Joseph. Let's have Benjamin. But God, you you only had Abraham sacrifice Isaac. You've already taken my Joseph. Now you want my Benjamin too. What I want is for you to persevere with me, Jacob. I want you to stay Israel. I want you to hang on. I want you to trust me. So let's have Benjamin. Amen. No, no. Can't happen. And the famine just gets tighter and tighter. Judas saying, You can have my sons. We're going to die. This ain't going to work, Dad. And finally, he says that he goes to the mouth of his tent and he says, My years have been few and full of trouble. All these things are against me. But he does it. He gives up Benjamin. And what does he get in return? Does he get Benjamin back? Oh, he gets Benjamin back. But he also gets back the one who has figuratively been dead for decades. (laughs) What would have happened? if he just buckled down and said no, you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God and finished his work, you can receive what was promised. God hadn't forgotten. Hallelujah, I wanna be like Jacob. They put him on a wagon, let's go to Egypt. We're not only going to get Benjamin back, we're going to get Joseph back too. There are some of you who God gave you promises and you believed you had gifts and he needed to take those gifts away for a season. And you have just about forgotten them. You think they're dead and he's reaching now for you to give up something else. And everything in you says, this is unfair, this isn't right. I'm I'm using this to cook my last meal so that we can die. But if you'd give up, that last little thing that you're holding on to and give it make a full sacrifice. You can't even know God's will to do it until you make the full sacrifice. Isn't that what he says in Romans 12? Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable form of worship. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know and approve what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We don't even know the will of God to do it until we've made the complete sacrifice. And if you'd give it up, you might find that Joseph is still off on the side of the stage waiting to enter when you trust God with everything. Now, I hope you don't suppress the excitement that you feel because I believe God is speaking to some people tonight. (sighs) I know I'm covering a lot, but I'm doing it quick, considering. There's a song. I wish I could sing it. I can't, so I'm not going to try. But it says, It's not over. And it says that over and over and over. It's not over. It's not over. Oh, but Lord, you know, it's not a land of plenty. We're out here, and the son of promise is gone and dead and killed by an animal, and it's not over. I feel like God is saying that to some people tonight. It's not over. Oh, but Lord, I had these aspirations and I had these plans. Well, they may be over, but mine, it's not over. Amen. He's just waiting for that last little bit. You said it doesn't matter. God doesn't want my little cake that my son and I are eating on. Well, if you can't give it to him, then it's over. But if you can, then it's not over. If you can come in from the field and give him the last that you have to live on, it's not over. But see, God doesn't make a bargain. I'm not trying to do that either. God doesn't spell it out for you. He doesn't say, if you'll give me your bread, I'll bring you back. I'll bring your son back to life someday. He doesn't say that. He just reaches out his hand. He doesn't say, if you'll give me Benjamin, I'll give you back Joseph and Benjamin. He just says, trust me. It's not trust if you understand it. It's not trust if it makes sense to you. It's trust if it doesn't make sense, but you believe in the one who's talking to you. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not over. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. One who perseveres with God. He thought it was a struggle to wrestle with the angel. Wait till he started wrestling with his sons. It's not over. Amen. Some of them are going to come back who you think are dead. Amen. It's not over. Amen. Hallelujah.
1: Praise you, Jesus.
0: The last thing I do on this earth, I want it to be trusting God. Jesus didn't say, it is over. (laughs) He said, it is finished. (laughs) Amen. It wasn't a sense of loss. It was a sense of accomplishment. Amen. He didn't say, I'm gonna suffer through this cross and you can peel my life out of my cold, dead fingers. He said, I'm gonna despise this shame. I'm gonna scorn this pain because I got a joy set before me of finishing what God sent me to do, amen. It's not over, amen. Praise you, Jesus. Just the time you think it's over, maybe that's when it's getting close to being finished. Maybe that's when it's getting close to being a complete sacrifice. (sighs) I wish, I wish I could spell out for you, like I would for a five year old, the steps to take, the confessions to make, the words of testimony to speak to make you an overcomer. I wish I could take you by the hand and do this for you. I can't. But God is speaking to you tonight. I don't know if he's ever spoken in quite this way, at least not through me with quite this burden. you barely started and you think it's over. It's not over. And I pray to God you would take this moment of conviction and faith and clarity and you would change your life by responding in faith. You're that close, you're going to look back and you're going to see it was a crossroad. You stood at the crossroad between bitterness and perseverance, between isolation and unity with the perseverers, the overcomers, between emptiness and fulfillment. This is a crossroad. It's an attitude. It's a state of mind. Oh, God, what can I do that I haven't done? What can I say? Amen, nothing. You're just going to have to hear God. Don't you know Jacob looked back on that moment when he stood in the doorway of his tent? And don't you know he cringed at the thought of delaying in giving the last that he was holding on to? Don't you know he shuddered to contemplate what would have happened if he hadn't trusted God? Don't you know the widow of Zarephath did the same? Have you ever heard people say, oh God, if Brother Kurt hadn't gotten engaged at that time, Brother Nathan would have never come down from Canada. He wouldn't be here. Oh God. We don't know what we're missing when we don't trust God. But I feel like tonight, somebody's gonna do that in the future. And they're gonna say, I'd made a turn, I made a decision that night. And do you see, this would have never happened and that would have never happened. I would have never known that there was a Joseph waiting. I would have never known that my son could be resurrected. You're gonna feel it someday, you're gonna look back. Oh God, honey, do you realize So just trust Him. Just trust Him. Something needs to be over, this peon little brain that thinks it can get its mind around everything. Now the Lord is the idiot brain, and where the brain is, there is bondage. That's what needs to be over. We need to surrender this proud mind to the mind of Christ. We need to stop processing things like a wood chipper processes wood. We need to say, God, My thoughts, your thoughts are not my thoughts and your ways are not my ways, but I need a little of your way of doing things tonight and today. Speak to me, think through me, move through me. Have your way through me in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.